Do you ever get uh, some of those uh, self-improvement things uh, coming up on Facebook, Instagram? Uh, somehow they've tied me, they tagged me on for, uh, for the whole weight loss thing. I'm not sure. I guess they know. They, they know your problems. They hear everything they, you say through your phone. And so I figured out that if I just use psychology, I could lose tons of weight. <laughs> and so I haven't bought, uh, I haven't uh, drunk that Kool-Aid yet, as you can tell. But also, I, I get these things about people, you know, exercises to do for people over 40. I'm glad they tagged me at 40. That just makes me feel good too. All right. So Instagram is just telling me how I can get better and better. This is big business. Uh, how can we try and get better? I'm not sure how much you all buy that or want to get better, but I know sometimes our culture tells us, no, no, you're fine, you're good, you are just beautiful the way you are, you're smart, you're courageous. There's a sign that uh, I, when, when I'm driving up Garth uh, to Mohawk, and it says, it says this, it says, you, you are smart, you are courageous, you are beautiful, and I have passed that sign, and you know what that makes me think? Makes me think, you don't know me. <laughs> you, you don't know the times when I need to be courageous, and I'm not. You don't realize that there is, I am not always that great. There are sometimes I'm self-centered. There are good things in me, yes, but there are so many things that aren't good. So we're embarking on a whole new series that is going to be targeting, changing our own heart. What would happen, just imagine, what would happen if a handful of simple prayers, a handful of simple prayers found in the Bible could change your life? I, I know, I know, that sounds like an infomercial, right? <laughs> they take these simple prayers and they will change your life. But you know what? I believe it. I believe that as we pray, uh, we're inviting God to move. When we're prayer, prayer actually invites God to move, and that's powerful. I was actually going to, you know, we're taking my notes. I was going to say prayer is powerful, but it's not. It's because you can pray to a stone, and that's not powerful. But, but what's really is powerful, prayer is inviting God to move. He's saying, God, come down and move, and that is powerful. I, I, uh, I have so many memories of my first summer at camp. Uh, where, uh, where I just saw so many prayers answered back to back. All of a sudden, the light turned on and said, hold on, this isn't just a church thing. This is, this is like real. I remember one of them, uh, one of my, uh, the, the, the guy that uh, I worked with at Camp Grant, a uh, good friend of mine, and uh, he, uh, he had a buddy from university that came, and so the university guy went off and we couldn't find him, and so Grant said, listen, during your break time, which is precious moments during camp time, <laughs> during your break, go, could you just go and try and find his Bill? That, that's what his name was, Bill. So I remember, you know, going down, you know, one line of cabins, hey, Bill, are you here, Bill? I was not quite enthusiastic, and I tried this other line of cab, Bill, are you here? And then all of a sudden, the thought came, you know what, I'm going to go and sit on the beach and look under every grain of sand for Bill as I watch the sunset, and it's going to be just so relaxing to look for Bill. So I, I go down the many steps to get to the beach. As I walk along the beach, guess what? <laughs> There's Bill. And so I sit beside him, and, and I didn't quite know what to do. You know, I'm, I'm like 16, 17, and like he's really old. He's probably like 22, and, and, and he's, he's like right there, and, 
and his head is in, is between, in between his legs and his knees. And, and, he's, and, and I, as I get closer, I hear that he's crying. And then it's like, should I leave you alone? <laughs> you know, I just, I'm already sitting beside you. This is like really awkward and I don't know. So I like, you know, I patted him on the back. <laughs> and then he looked up and looked in my eyes and he said, Dave, I've just been praying that God would send somebody here to listen. And I thought, okay, my job is to listen. And this is a God moment. This is an answer to prayer. And as a young person, I saw prayer after prayer after prayer answered. And all of a sudden, I pulled back from that saying, okay, whatever I know about God or don't know about God, I know this. Prayer invites God to move. Prayer invites God to move. Now, I know in talking about prayer, often we feel guilty, don't we? Can we be honest about this? <laughs> why, why do we feel guilty? When I, when I say to people, we're doing a whole series on prayer, sometimes, oh, yay. I, I know why. I know. Can we be honest? There are times we don't pray enough. In fact, I think all of us go, oh, I need to pray more. That's right. I need to pray more. Because often we get in tr trouble and, and, and problems, and all too often we pray last. And we go, oh, yeah, now it's falling apart. We pray last instead of first. We all too often, we pray last and not first. And here at Church on the Rock, we want to get that one in our souls, that we're going to pray first. We're going to invite God to move first all the time. And then there's sometimes new Christians. God bless you, new Christians. I, I know it's like really, you, you think prayer is a big big deal, some spiritual thing, and sometimes you compare to other people. It's like, oh, they're praying. Oh, no, they're, they're using the Bible. I can't do that. You know, I can't pray like that. Or some people get a, a, like a prayer voice on. Have you ever heard somebody do a prayer voice? Oh, man. You know, it, 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 all of a sudden they, they get like in the back of their throat or deeper so they sound more profund, you know, the profundity. So, Lord, you know, I, you know, I just go, wow, you don't talk like that. That's weird. <laughs> but you know what? Okay, you don't have to talk weird. You don't have to talk different. You don't have to talk theological. Guess what? You just need to talk to God. Because all too often, we pray last and not first. Often our prayers are this. Help me, Jesus, prayers. We, we all do help me, Jesus, prayers, right? Help me, Jesus. I, I saw the Global Leadership Summit. And there's this hilarious speaker. And as she was speaking, she was just talking about how, how her whole day was falling apart. Bit by bit, her children, the things around the home, something in her business, everything was falling apart. She said, at one point, she just called out, help me, Jesus. And then she sort of looked at the camera and said, and that's strange for me because I'm Jewish. <laughs> I, I think this is just a, a universal thing. Help me, Jesus. And guess what? The Bible says that kind of prayer is open to us all. In fact, uh, the, the, the Psalms say that, that he's a very present help in times of trouble. So that's a good thing. The help me, Jesus prayers are good. And as we grow in our faith, often we start to learn whole new ways to pray. And a whole new way to pray are the thank you, Jesus prayers. So, so I think sometimes we graduate from, from the, you know, help me, Jesus. We still do those. But now, now at times, you, you allow yourself to feel gratitude and worship and praise. And in fact, that's one of the best things you can do in discipleship, I believe. Get a notebook and start to write out prayers of praise to God in that. It focuses your mind, and then you start to see how it changes you. But we're not going to stop there. We're sailing off the edge of the map. 
with this series. We are going to uncharted territory for many of us. We're going on a quest to invite the living God to change us in some deep and profound ways. Are you ready? <laughs> Don't get seasick at the journey. <laughs> are you ready? Let's get going. We're going to start with a story found in the book of Acts. And actually, it takes up two chapters. If you notice a story in the Bible, if it takes up two whole chapters, it's like an important story. And this, this is a story that just sort of kicks off the whole thing right after, right after the day of Pentecost. Pentecost happened 50 days after the Passover. That's when Jesus died, rose again 50 days later. Guess what? The Holy Spirit comes and empowers his people to be able to be witnesses for himself. And during that time, the, 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 the church, they were definitely Jewish. And they would go to the temple to be able to pray. In fact, a good Jewish person would know that God would, would hear any prayer and every prayer. But they would also go to the temple for 9 o'clock, noon, and 3 o'clock prayers. And so this happens at three o'clock prayers, and Peter and John are making their way to the temple. This is a time for prayer, so you can just imagine hundreds of people coming in. And in fact, the cool thing is, they're probably in those hundreds of people or hundreds of Christians. Because as, uh, as the day of Pentecost said, there are like 3,000 people became believers. And guess what? They continued to meet together in homes and go to the temple. So, so the, it must have been this whole so reuniting of Christian brothers and sisters. And oh, isn't it great? Wasn't it, you know, wasn't Peter's teaching awesome? you know, yesterday at so-and-so's house. And as they're going into the gate, they're going through this gate called the Beautiful Gate. The Beautiful Gate is the busiest of all the gates. Uh, this would be the main gate between, uh, between the court of the Gentiles. You, you come in, there's a court of the Gentiles. It, I think it's awesome that God made a place for people on the way to God to be. And I think it's cool that he had his people walk through that, that area all the time, <laughs> inviting them to come closer. <laughs> anyway, that's the side. The beautiful gate is between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women. The court of the women was, was probably one of the busiest courts. That's where, that's where the, um, the treasury was sent up. So if you want to give your offering, that's where you go. That's where a lot of the big festival things happen. Just, uh, just about 50, 60 days ago, Jesus was there and he called out, I am the, I'm the light of the world. We talked about that not too long ago. So you can just imagine this huge, huge area. And so Peter and John are going in through the beautiful gate into the inner court, the court of the women. And as they, as they stop, they, they must have walked by this man all the time. There's a man there with, with uh, some congenital thing happened to his legs, and, and he just had never walked in his whole life. And he was brought there often. This is like prime begging place, right? And so he's there panhandling as, as they walk by. For some reason, even though they, they, they'd walked by many times, they stopped I no doubt in my mind, the Holy Spirit tapped and said, stop now, right? <laughs> Just because I've experienced it so many times. It's, it's like you go through life almost in a daze, and then the Spirit of God taps you on the shoulder. You go, oh, 
Pay attention. Let's not wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, right? Okay, this is a moment that's going to happen. And so this is what happens. As he asked for money, Acts chapter 3, we're going to dig into the scriptures here now. Then Peter said, silver and gold uh, I do not have, but what I, but what I do have I give you. Isn't that beautiful? It's a gift. Jesus is a gift. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't pray that he could walk. He, he just took, the, he knew that the Spirit had led him. He had the authority, so he just said, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. This is this, is this poor layman's uh, step of faith. You have to have a step of faith. And so he's helping him up. And the guy with the wiggly legs probably had never, ever stood on those things. So helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And with them, he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So the same guy that's been there for... For years, it doesn't even say he takes up the, any money that's been given to him. You know, he, who cares? He can now walk. He's up. He's jumping. He's running around. So, un, uh, of course, people notice this unusual work of God. And so this is a message opportunity. So Peter stops, and he starts to give it. And he starts to say, here's an open door. I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to take advantage of this open door. And so he goes and starts to preach. As he's preaching, he preaches about the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And so Peter is going off on how Jesus died and rose again. And, and again, I'm, I'm trying to picture this, right? Hundreds of people, hundreds of people going in and out, hearing this guy shouting. And as the crowds gather around, there's Christians scattered in all the way through, through saying, Praise Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, that the Jesus is Lord. And as they're saying this around Peter and John, as they're saying, the, the guy that just got healed is clinging onto him. <laughs> like he's holding him. Like that's kind of awkward, right? You know, you can't move too much because the guy's right there. And, I, you know, why, why, is, why is that guy there? He looks like he is the guy and he's standing. That's why. Whoa. So in the midst of this, as they are sharing the gospel, people are talking. And, and it starts at 3 o'clock during prayer time. They get arrested at 6 o'clock. So this sort of squishes this time down. They are at this for three hours. <laughs> Just three hours. The Christians, they're leading people to Christ. They're praising God. It is the, a bigger crowd is being gathered. And it's awesome. And another 2,000 thousand people give their lives to Jesus. Two thousand people give their lives to Jesus. It's interesting. The Bible's not afraid to count numbers. I know it's not about numbers, right? It's not about numbers. So I guess what? Numbers are people. And it's about people. Anyway, about two thousand people became believers already. All of a sudden, the Sadducees, the Sadducees come in with the, uh, with the, the uh, captain of the guard. Let me tell you a little bit about the Sadducees. They're the rich religious elite, and, uh, and they sort of controlled. Uh, they had a lot of the, the most important families. They, they controlled a lot of the Sanhedrin. That is sort of the high court of Israel. There's two reasons why they did not like Peter and John uh, preaching. Number one, they didn't believe in the resurrection of bodies after, after the... the 
in, in the next world. They did not believe in the resurrection. And all Peter is talking about, Jesus resurrected. We touched him. He, you know, we, we ate with him. And I'm sure he just kept on talking about Jesus had a body. Jesus had a body. And this just really ticked the Sadducees off. Not only that, the Sadducees worked very closely with the Roman uh, the Roman elite. And so the Romans wanted peace, the peace of Rome, you know, the Pax of Rome. And so they didn't like anything that seemed like any kind of uprising. So what they did, they came and arrested Peter and John. Interesting to me, they didn't listen to the message. They, hold, this, this is upsetting status quo. This is upsetting our culture, so I'm not going to listen to the message. In fact, guess what? I'm not even going to pay attention to the miracle I just want this to stop because it's pushing against the culture of the time. It's interesting, 2,000 people had soft hearts, and a whole handful did not. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. They had them arrested at 6 o'clock at night, too late to, to hold a, uh, some kind of a trial, so they kept them in jail. They were in jail through the night. Nothing happens in jail. No angel comes to visit them. Nothing, you know, there's no miracle in jail. They're just in jail. I wonder what they talked about. I wonder if they were kind of pumped that they got to suffer the same as Jesus did. So they bring them out of jail. And then they ask the question. They ask the question, whose name, in whose name are you doing this? In other words, what group are you with? Okay, what group are you with? Because there's different groups. And Peter launches into this Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. And then he says this, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, you know how if we're all together, you know what we would do, right? We would all say this together, all right? So count us three, we're going to say filled with the Holy Spirit, really? One, two, three, filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, thank you. Uh, nine people <laughs> and all of you at home. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're to be called into account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked, asked, and are being asked how he uh, was being helped, uh, healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed, healed. Fascinating, fascinating. It's not like he pulled back, right? He wasn't like, well, I know some of you believe in resurrection and some of you don't. <laughs> he just let, boom. Yes, the man that you killed raised from the dead. Yes, it's real. In fact, he points out their hypocrisy. It was a kindness actually to let this guy walk. This is about Jesus who you crucified and you raised from the dead. Now, you got to understand, this might be one of the most bold things that have ever happened in the book of Acts. Uh, why? Why is it so bold, Dave? Because just 50 days earlier, these are the very same people Jesus, Jesus was crucified by. Peter stood outside and heard, and, and he would see the same faces. And he's standing before the very same faces. And instead of pulling back, he just like turns up the hot sauce, man. He's pouring it on. And then the next thing Peter does, he quotes the Old Testament, which is like, of course, that seems like a Bible thing to do. But he quotes the Old Testament to Old Testament scholars. 
It's awesome. Uh, at Church on the Rock, uh, we have, you know, we have a couple Old Testament scholars. And every time, every time, you know, I say something authoritative from the Old Testament, instead of look over at them to say, you know, if they're going, mm-hmm, or, uh. <laughs> I'm pulling back from that one, right? Peter, he just says, boom, this is what the Old Testament says, even though the room was filled with Old Testament scholars. And then he ends up the whole message with this. You know, you know how, how preachers go, you know, the big thing is at the end. Here's his big thing, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says this, Boom, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by people, uh, given to people by which we must be saved. At the end of the deal, he didn't want to make him feel bad. That wasn't the thing. He wasn't being combative. At the end of the day, he wanted them to be saved. That's the deal. And then you get this funny scene. Then you get this funny scene. Uh, Peter stops, and there's this silence, and it says they, they were sort of starting to whisper amongst themselves, but the guy that's healed is right there. So the, the guy that was healed is right there. And, you know, have you ever seen those memes? You know, eyes darting back and forth. Guy healed. This guy's really taking us off. You know, <laughs> they're just going back and forth at this one. So you don't quite know what to say. And so what they do say, it said, okay. Bad Peter. <laughs> Don't go and do it anymore. And they send out a bunch of warnings. And again, Peter tells, filled with the Holy Spirit, nope, I'm obeying God instead of you. Then they go back and hold a prayer summit. They come on back and let's hold a prayer summit. Let's all get together. Let's pray together. And let's bring down heaven on this one. And uh, we're going to read that part. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. I'm going to skip ahead to 29. It says this, after they were released, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so, in other words, they're saying, okay, they warned us, they told us, no, we can't do this. And so this is like a whole room of people. This is a whole, I, again, they, were, they had their, their uh, what the, the, the thing that was happening in the morning. So this is probably around noontime. So this is like, I'm not sure how many people are telling, but a lot of people. And they're saying, listen, they told us not to. They threatened they would do horrible things to us. And then this is what happened. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And here's their prayer. It's such a beautiful prayer. Oh, man. Uh, when I read this, I just had to hold my hand to my heart. Sovereign Lord. That means you are large and in charge, God. You are you're over everything. You can do whatever you want to do. Sovereign Lord. They said, you have made heavens and earth, the heavens and earth, and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Which, by the way, again, if you wonder why we love the Bible so much, it's because God spoke to people, and, and that is what is recorded in the Bible. Okay, that's an aside. And then it says this. This is Psalm number two. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against the, his anointed one. The anointed one is the Messiah. So in other words, they quoted the Old Testament and said, Sovereign Lord, you knew what was going to come. You see in the future. You knew that they would threaten us. You knew that all these things would happen. And guess what? Like back in a thousand, like, like a long time ago, 
You actually predicted this, but not only that, you wrote it. And guess what? We are living what you wrote in the Old Testament. And you told us that nations would rage. You said that, that, that rulers would band together against the anointed one, Jesus. God, you are so large and in charge. You are so big. You knew this was, would happen. And so now they get into their prayer request. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider their threats. So notice that, you know, Peter and John didn't soft sell this. They, they talked about threats. And so everybody in the church knew about the threats. So now consider their threats. And here we go. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I thought what they're already doing was kind of bold. <laughs> I thought they were like on the bold scale, one to ten. They'd already hit ten. And guess what they were praying? They were praying, man, we don't want ten. We want eleven. We, you know, give us the bold scale of eleven. Give us great boldness to speak your word. That don't, we're going to talk about this. Speak your word, great boldness. Stretch out your hand. The whole image of God stretching out his hand is a hand of power. That when, when, when people in the Old Testament pray for stretching out of hands, that's a power. Stretch out your hand to what? To what? To heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So listen, the, the, the two things they're saying. Listen, we want, we want 11 on the bold scale. We want your power to go ahead and we want to see miracles happen. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Physical place was shaken. And they're all, here we go, they're all, let's read this together. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That is so important. Again, there's a lot of filling with the Holy Spirit in this whole passage, right? They're filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's interesting, there is no other story in the, in the book of Acts where actually a place is shaken. Sometimes we try and replicate a Holy Spirit moment. We can't. It's his moment, right? It's his moment. So he does what he does. Uh, but we got to be open. We have to ask for it. So, okay, Christians, how does this compare to us? Come on, Canadian church. <laughs> this is what we're praying for, right? Awesome, isn't it? Oh, man, Canadians, we are so underspoken. And I am full-on Canadian, and I, I get it, and I, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. In fact, most of our prayers are keep us safe. By the way, that is a biblical prayer. I'm not putting that, that down. It is a biblical prayer to keep us safe. But can I just be honest? I, I know sometimes I heard, hear some stories. Some of you at workplaces, now I, I got to say, you know, this happens to a lot of people. You work at a place for five years. And then, then you talk to, you let something slip or something. And, and you, that you go to church and, or you go to church on the rock. And they go, what? You go to church? Yeah. Church on the, I go to church on the rock too. Wow. You're a Christian? I never knew. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> It's really not good. Um, I, I, you know, as a Canadian, I don't want to put anybody down. <laughs> but that's not good. It really is not good. They didn't pray, keep us safe. They prayed, make us bold. God, make us bold. Now, again, I, I understand that makes you fearful. 
I know why, too, because it makes me fearful, too. Come on, come on. Nobody else but, but us chickens here, all right? Okay, here's why. Why? It's because if we're too bold, we're going to become one of those obnoxious Christians, right? Come on. Come on. Obnoxious Christians. And, and uh, I don't see too many of them. Sometimes we set up a straw man and we think that they're all over the place. They're not. But what, <laughs> if you meet one, they sort of count for about 100. I, I don't know why. I remember working at, uh, at a grocery store and I was putting some stuff away and, and uh, I was, yeah, I had some Bible memory things. I was just, you know, one of my coworkers, you know, said, Oh, I see you reading the Bible. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. And he says, cool, I am too. And the first thing he says, and you know what? And then he, start, you know, he gets that sort of weird cross-eyed look, right? And the Pope is the Antichrist. And No, no, he's not. No, he's not. And I think, I, I, yeah, I think you should be quiet right now. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God, keep him quiet because... He's like an anti-witness, right? He's like an anti-witness. And it's like, oh, you meet one of those and then you go, I want to stay far, far away from that. Okay. <laughs> and then there's some people who listen to a sermon like this and they said, they pump themselves. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold. And then they say something and run back and, 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 and talk about persecution. It's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hallelujah, Th thanks, Jacob. Um, they act weird and just say Jesus out of nowhere and run back and, and, and think that's, that's good. And so many of us, including myself, say, I'm not sure about this boldness part because I don't want to be like that. All right. Can I... Can I just, just be honest here. I think we are not bold. I think we are not bold because we don't have many godly examples of Christ-like boldness. I'm going to say that again. Often we are not bold because we don't have many godly examples of Christ-like boldness. That we are both bold in words. Remember what they said in the passage. Teach us to say something. You got to get the J word out. The church word like Megan did. Or, or the, the Jesus word. You got to get, you got to say something. But to have the same amount of boldness and love and kindness and gentleness. And all the Christ-like qualities. Tim, Timothy Keller writes this. When we think of fanatical people, they're overbearing, insensitive, and harsh. Why? It's not because they're too Christian, but because they're not Christian enough. They're not also fanatically humble, sensitive, empathetic, or forgiving. Yeah. Woo! Come on, Timothy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, God, make me bold, but both bold in love. And in voice. Because we know people who are only bold in voice. And it repels people. And we know people who are only bold in love. And it's very self-exalting. You are a nice person. You are a nice person. You never know why. So somehow we have to have both. It's like two wings of an airplane, isn't it? You lose one and you're going down. And so we need to be bold in love and bold in voice. But we just don't have many examples of that. And I asked Jesus to give me a good example. And, and uh, at Church on the Rock, they, 
they do get multiplied. I love our church. And uh, the one that the Spirit of God brought back to my mind was, was Casey, my good friend uh, Casey, who's been uh, with me at Church on the Rock right from the beginning. And he was on a construction site, and, uh, and some guy goes around and says, somebody took my 20 bucks. Who took my 20 bucks? Who stole my, you know, he's just, like, you can imagine a construction site, right? The guy's swearing. Who took my 20 bucks? Casey looks up and said, I didn't take your 20 bucks, but you can have mine. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And he says, what? I, I don't want your 20 bucks. No, it seems like you want 20 bucks. Here's 20 bucks. Why are you doing this? It's Jesus' money. You're religious. I know Jesus. <laughs> it's so good. It was like this, this disconnect from, from generosity and knowing who it's from. And then the guy went out and did Casey's witnessing for him. Did you know what Casey just did? <laughs> he spread the word all around. But we need to have more of that. Like, like do you mind if I pray with you? Uh, it looks like you need some things. Uh, you know what? All this money I've given to Jesus, so I think he'd like you to have some of that. It's not that you're pushing your obnoxious or drawing, uh, but you got to know where the good is coming from, and then you do the good. And I think when I hear that again and again, I just know that God uses it, especially if it is Holy Spirit directed. I'm listening to this podcast called the Side B Podcast, How Atheists Become Christians. And can I tell you again and again and again, these smart, intelligent people reading and, and going back and forth on great intellectual topics. But all of a sudden, I think in every case, uh, a Christian gets dropped in there who is bold in love and bold in words. I'll say, wow, those are good questions. I'm not sure if I know the answer to that. I'm going to try and find it for you, though, because I know it's really bothering you. I wish you could know my Jesus. He's awesome. Do you mind if I pray with you? I got a book, and you read it if you don't, you know, if you don't, that's okay. But next time we get together, if you're interested, maybe we could read. And these stories are of these atheists who, who think Christians are so stupid, so ignorant, but all of a sudden get touched by God's love and by the veracity of of our faith also. It's interesting. So notice their prayer. Fill me with your spirit. Make me bold. Fill me with your spirit. Make me bold. Why do I put that fill me with your spirit part in there? Because the, if you read the book of Acts, you'll understand when somebody says, and filled with the Holy Spirit, it's all about ministry. As you ask God to be filling you with the Spirit, it's not for your own experience. It, some of it might be experiential, some might not be. But it's always tied to the whole idea. I'm sharing God's Word, so fill me with your Spirit. Make me bold. And guess what? When, the, when you do that, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He'll tap you and tell you now. Or He'll tell you, wait. Or say this. Or why don't you give that? When it's all led by the Holy Spirit, all the obnoxiousness gets taken away. And the power of it is there. And all the power of it is there. When it's Holy Spirit prompted, it is amazing. It is amazing. Do you mind if I pray for you? What a gift we give to people. And we, you don't need to be pushy. Would you mind? <clears throat> and sometimes the power of God just gets released over that. And you might have an opportunity to pray and see someone get healed. 
or see someone get encouraged to see God do amazing things. I'd love to bring you to church this week. Let me know if you're available. You can say that in a way that's, that's not obnoxious, but it, what it does, it, it provides an opportunity for God to work, for God to work. Just to let you know, if you now pray that, God, fill me with your spirit, make me bold, sometimes God will work through that in amazing ways. But the example is so beautiful. It did two things. Number one, it triggered opposition. I know some people are praying, God, make me bold. And hold on, some people didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, read the story. You get to go to jail. <laughs> Woo! Bo both, it triggers opposition, but it also releases God's miracles. It does, both. And there's nothing greater than to be used by Jesus. I, I just, I love being used by Jesus. It's just the greatest sense in the world. So, as I close this off, uh, I just want to give you a vision. I want to be a part of somebody's God story. I want to be a part of somebody's God story. <laughs> Guess what? To do that, you need to pray this prayer. Fill me with your spirit. Make me bold. Does that push you off the map a little bit? <laughs> this is what we're talking about this whole series. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to pray, and I'd love you to pray along with me. There's a prayer that's going to come up on the screen. And uh, if you could just pray along uh, with me, that would be great. And then we're going to step into some worship. Here we go. Jesus, you have forgiven me of every single offense. Jesus, you are building in me your love, your joy, your gentleness. Jesus, you have gifted me and strengthened me for everything, every everything, every good work. You are making a place in heaven for me right now. Jesus, you have died and rose again to make a place for everyone who calls on you. Jesus, here we go. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me bold. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me bold. And God, all God's people said, amen. All right, let's come. Let's have some worship.